What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. Our five biggest questions heading into the SEC football season. Our buddy Dan Matthews will stop by. Been covering the SEC for a long time. Executive producer for the Chuck Oliver Show. We'll get his biggest questions. And we'll go around the conference as we've got tons of takeaways from fall camp over the weekend as teams have their final dress rehearsals for the start of the season. Let's jump into it. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked On SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You get the latest episode of this show as soon as it comes out each and every day. And a quick reminder, the NFL season is about to begin. Nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th, the Locked On NFL Podcast is previewing every team in every division with the help of Odyssey's lineup of NFL experts. Follow the ultimate season preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Around the conference. All right, we start over at Auburn as new head coach Brian Harson tested positive for COVID-19 late last week, and he has since been quarantined. An Auburn spokesperson said as long as Harson is feeling well enough by next week, he will be back on the sidelines for the season opener against Akron. Harson said he does not have any symptoms. Linebackers coach Jeff Schmetting is handling in-person head coaching duties with Harson out. Over at Georgia, Kirby Smart is optimistic about a couple of key players being back in time for their season opener against Clemson. Last week, we heard about foot injuries to tight end Darnell Washington and defensive back Tyke Smith. In addition, you got wide receivers George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock still working their way back from ACL surgery. Smart said, we are hopeful to get all those guys back soon. That is the plan with really all of our guys that are injured. We don't have an injury where there are guys out for a long period of time. We're hopeful to get all of them back. We'll see if every one of those guys is back for the season opener. At Texas A&M, they had their final scrimmage of fall camp yesterday in the Aggie quarterback battle, really heating up between Haynes King and Zach Calzada. Each player got a shot with the starters going back and forth. Fisher said he's been pleased with both guys, said they've made a lot of progress taking care of the ball. He also said both guys have gotten better in their decision-making and estimates he will make it an official decision on the starter in a week or so. Nothing like waiting till the last minute. Over at Alabama, tight end Jaleel Billingsley missed some time earlier in camp for undisclosed reasons. When talking to reporters on Saturday, Nick Saban was asked for an update on Billingsley and if he's done what he's needed to do so far. Well, that's up to him. That's not up to me. You know, he knows what he's supposed to do in practice. He knows what he's supposed to do. Um, you know, this is not a democracy. Everybody doesn't get what to do what they want to do. Everybody doesn't get to do what they feel like doing. Um, you got to buy in and do what you're supposed to do to, um, you know, be a part of the team and do the things you need to do in practice every day. Uh, sense of urgency, play fast, execute, do your job. Um, no, 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 nobody's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege for everybody to go out there and be able to create value for yourself. And, um, you know, we have scouts at practice every day. Um, so everybody thinks it's just about playing in the game. It's not just about playing in the game. They watch practice film. They watch guys every day. All right, you guys on ESPN, you, you evaluate what happens in the game. All right, but they evaluate what happens every day, what you do every day. So what are you doing every day to create any value for yourself? 
A lot of people love that clip from Saban. He also said he's been impressed with Ohio State transfer receiver Jamison Williams, saying he's made a big impact in camp so far. Said they've had to manage Mechie's reps throughout camp, and uh, Slade Bolden and JoJo Earl have also looked really good as well. Over at LSU, they held their second scrimmage of fall camp this weekend. Backup freshman quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer impressed, throwing for over 300 yards and three touchdowns with an interception. Coach O has been very complimentary of Nussmeyer throughout camp, so LSU should feel good about their backup option to Max Johnson while Miles Brennan continues to be out with that broken arm. Over at Missouri, they were on the practice field on Saturday night, and freshman defensive lineman Kyron Montgomery left practice with an injury. It was later revealed he tore his ACL and will miss the entire 2021 season. It was reportedly something called a dented bone fracture, so Kyron Montgomery will not play this season for Mizzou. He was the number 29 edge rusher in the 2021 recruiting class. At Mississippi State, their quarterback battle rages on between sophomore Will Rogers and senior transfer Chance Lovertich. Mike Leach asked over the weekend about his quarterbacks. He said, I think they both have good qualities. I think they're battling to stay within themselves, but I think Will is more consistent than Chance right now. So take that for what you will. Over at Kentucky, Coach Mark Stoops speaking with the media following the report of six Kentucky football players being charged with first-degree burglary from an incident back in March. Stoops said the six players are not practicing right now, but he wants to wait and see police discovery to see if there's anything about the case he doesn't know yet. Stoops said the players have a right to have their side heard, so it remains to be seen if those six players will be active for the Wildcats season opener against Louisiana Monroe coming up on week one. Lastly, Eric Gilbert, the tight end turned wide receiver, has not been practicing with the Georgia Bulldogs for a while now as he deals with what Coach Kirby Smart called a personal issue. Whether or not Gilbert plays week one against Clemson or at all for that matter remains to be seen. But according to his mentor, all-time great Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards, fans should be sending their prayer requests and positivity to Gilbert. Edwards is asking from the public. And there you have it. That is around the conference. Tons of stuff to get into. And we are going to get into it all with our buddy Dan Matthews with five biggest questions heading into SEC, SEC football season coming up in just a second. Quick reminder about our friends over at Sweat Block. Look, it's one of those things you don't like to talk about, excessive sweating. It is embarrassing. Some of you may know that, uh, may know somebody who deals with this. When you get out on college campuses over these next couple weeks and you start tailgating and going to the games, you're going to start sweating through your shirts. You're going to start seeing the pit stains and all that kind of stuff. Sweat Block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime. You go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, and you go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. I know this is going to sound too good to be true, but go check them out. Sweat Block antiperspirant wipes. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweat Block. You can get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. You'll get 20% off. You can also find Sweat Block at Amazon and CVS. It is uh, doctor created, doctor recommended, works for up to seven days per use, dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. Manufactured right here in the USA, and it's a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Go check them out right now, sweatblock.com, and use our promo code Locked On.
along here, Locked On SEC, Chris Gordy, and man, the season is right around the corner. We're going to have football games this weekend, none in the SEC, but we will have college football games happening this weekend, and then next week we'll get into the full slate of SEC football games. And joining us now is our buddy Dan Matthews, longtime covering the SEC executive producer for the Chuck Oliver Show, and he jumps jumps in with us now. Dan, what's going on, man? Everything's great, man. I mean, as you just mentioned, we're in a game week now. I mean, although it is not an SEC or ACC or any of this part of the country's game week, but still, football, FBS football is on tap. So it's definitely an exciting week uh, to uh, be a college football fan, that's for sure. Dan, uh, I asked you to do a little homework for this. I said, you know what? I want us both to come up with our five biggest questions heading into the SEC football season. So I figured this segment will run through my five. Next segment will run through your five, and we'll see if we uh, came up with kind of the same ones. But let's jump right into it. I'll start with number five for me. And mine is number five, did Dan Mullen make a mistake retaining Todd Grantham as Florida defensive coordinator? The Gators... They gave up over 420 yards of offense per game last year, ranked in the bottom tier of the conference, gave up right at 31 points per game last year, just as bad as Tennessee. We know how good the offense was last year. My question is, what happens if the offense isn't as good? In your mind, Dan, did Dan Mullen make a mistake keeping Todd Grantham? Well, I think that, you know, he's got plenty of talent on that side of the ball. The questions are what happens with Brenton Cox and Kyrie Elam and some of those players for the Gators. But uh, I do think that we've seen this play out before. We saw it at Georgia in 2013 when they struggled and at least Todd Grantham was able to get out before they had to mutually decide to be able to move on from him. I think he kind of sensed that that's where Mark Rick was going to go. A lot of people thought that was where Dan Mullen was going to go this year, and he decided against going that route, so uh, he brings him back. One thing we don't we know about uh, Todd Grantham is that uh, he's got the nickname Third and Grantham for a reason, is because third downs can be trouble for him, but also as well, high risk, high reward for the Gators defensive coordinator. He's able to get turnovers. He's able to get to the quarterback. If they can do two of those things this season and do them at a pretty regular clip, then I think you can probably stomach a little bit of giving up some of those yards. The offense, though, this year probably won't be as good, so the spotlight's going to be on them for sure. Yeah, we know the secondary always good. Kyrie Elam, very elite. Jaden Hill being out for the season, that hurts. Zachary Carter, Brenton yeah. Cox, Jeremiah Moon, all good, but big questions on the interior of that D-line. Is it Daquan Newkirk? Is it Antonio Valentino? Who's going to step up on the interior? That'll be a big question for Florida. My number four question, <clears throat> does Bryce Young have an acclimation period. Now, I went back and looked at the numbers. Mac Jones, he kind of hit the ground running last year, throwing for 250 yards in a win at Missouri in his first start. Tua, he threw for 227 in his de- debut start against Louisville. Alabama's last couple starting quarterbacks have hit that ground running and been really good. Does Bryce Young have any early growing pains And do they cost him against a really good Miami team? After Miami, you get Mercer, then it's on the road at the Swamp. So he may not have any room for growing pains, but in your mind, does Bryce Young have an acclimation period? 
I don't think so for this reason. I think that obviously up front on the offensive line, you lose Landon Dickerson, who was kind of the heart and soul of that group. But you also return a very good group of running backs for this Alabama Crimson Tide offense. So I think if really it's kind of one of those when in doubt, rely on what your strength can be this season, and that is the running back group. I think the question is more going to be on can a John Mechie step up and be a huge part of this offense this year? Can you also get Jamison Williams, who transferred him from Ohio State because they had too crowded a wide receiver room at Ohio State, and can they be able to make this offense as close to as possible what you saw last season? I think Alabama is probably going to have a lot of that, Chris, where it's kind of the question that was around LSU. Can you replicate what you did last season? And pretty much a resounding no was the answer because when you have special seasons, you don't have special seasons where you're able to replicate that same success the following year. So I think for the very reason of the running back room that he's got there, I think that he can, like I said, when in doubt, rely on the running game to be able to kind of calm the nerves. My number three question, Dan, is Ole Miss's defense improved at all? We know how bad the defense was last year, one of the worst in college football. We know how good Matt Corral and the offense were. All signs point to the offense being good once again, Corral being one of the best quarterbacks in college football. If Ole Miss's defense can get some stops, if they can get some turnovers, some sacks, could they significantly improve that win total for the Rebels? DJ Jerkin and Chris Partridge have been part of some good defenses in the past. Can they get it done? Well, I mean, getting it done is got to be a lot better than what they had last year. Second to last in all of FBS football for defense last year. That's almost unheard of when you can recruit the way that Ole Miss should be able to recruit and be able to get defensive players to that program. I get it with the high-powered offense, and sometimes that takes away from the defense, but it shouldn't take away to the tune of what we saw last season because I think you're putting way too much pressure on Matt Corral, Lane Kiffin, in that offense if you aren't improved this season. So I guess my best answer to that, Chris, would be they better be. Otherwise, this is a football team who's going to score a lot, and then they're not going to be able to stop anybody, which is what we saw last season. I mean, let's just go through the tape right here. That Alabama game probably could have won that football game if they were able to even stop anyone on uh, on defense because I think that's really just kind of the question. Uh, you know, and, and I can't remember who came on Chuck's show and said it, but their point was get a stop a half. That's all I need out of you. I just need one stop a half with how good this offense is, and then we can be able to make some things happen. I know that that's probably for some people saying that shouldn't be too hard to ask for, but this team, I mean, if you can get that, then maybe they can be able to make some waves this year. But, man, when you're second to last in all of FBS football, that's a lot of ground to make up. Yeah, and I look at a couple of swing games. They're at Tennessee. They're home for LSU. They're at Auburn, home for A&M. I think they have a chance to win some of those. If the defense is good, they'll have a chance in every one of them. We'll see. Number two. On my biggest questions heading into this season, I have, can the Aggies dig deep and beat Alabama on October 9th? I hate to say it's a one-game season for the Aggies, but it comes down to this. It is a one-game season. The Aggies have an outstanding home field advantage at Kyle Field. Tons of traditions and cheers, the swaying and all that kind of stuff. But since coming into the SEC, the Aggies have been outscored at home against the Tide, losing by an average score 41-28. to They've got to find a way to break through a win this year. You get them in your house. In 2017, the Aggies only lost 27-19. Their defense has got to keep it close, get a lead, lean on that run game, and if you get that win, you are in the driver's seat to win the SEC West. Dan, can the Aggies dig deep and beat Bama? 
Well, I think I think they definitely have the talent to be able to do it. I think is the result going to be there? And I think a huge part of that is one of my five questions that we're going to talk about next as well. But I will say this about that game and what I expect from both of these teams. The way that Jimbo Fisher wants to play offensively, he wants to be physical. He wants to be able to use the running game. He wants to be able to use the tight ends, which a lot of people now look at and say, that's impossible. How can you win that way? But that's a way that he wants to be able to do it. And I think that if AM does win that game, it is going to be one where they are able to control the line of scrimmage and are able to get Anaya Smith going, who I think can kind of be their Kadarius Tony this season. And also as well, you know, a lot of people don't talk about Isaiah Spiller. Chris, a 1,000-yard rusher last year for this team. I mean, because I think that most people look at Anaya Smith and look at Devin Achain, and those guys don't get, or, or excuse me, Isaiah Spiller does not get the recognition that he probably deserves. And then Jalen Weidemeyer is just an absolute X factor for this uh, Texas A&M team. So they've got the players. Mike Elko in that defense with the Marvin Leal in that crew back this season. They've got the players on that side of the ball. They've got the ability. I think the question is going to come down to one particular spot on the field, and we'll talk about that coming up soon. And my number one biggest question coming into the SEC season is JT Daniels, the quarterback, to finally take Kirby Smart and Georgia to new heights. Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, Dewan Mathis for a half, Stetson Bennett for a few, and now JT Daniels. This kid has all the tools. He has weapons everywhere, dominant run game, really good defense yet again. Can JT Daniels be the guy who breaks through and wins Kirby the big, the big game, the big game in this purpose being a national championship this year? Oh, we don't want to take the low-hanging Twitter fruit and go how Kirby messed up in 2018 with Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. We, we don't want to go that route. Okay, no. that's fine. No, I, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I, I'll leave that one to uh, the, the Twitter game. But uh, I, I definitely think he's got the talent. There's no doubt about it. We saw it last season, the spark that he added to that Georgia offense. I mean, that game against Mississippi State, relatively an ugly game for Georgia that they could have lost and they not had strong offensive support like they did from JT Daniels going to George Pickens and going to Jermaine Burton last year in that game. And then, of course, the game at Missouri, which probably the best offensive game, at least that second half, that Georgia fans had seen in some time, at least from the passing game, that I think a lot of people looked at it and said, that can be exciting, that can be fun. The funny thing is, Chris, is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, you had people on Twitter with the way that the passing game was going for Georgia saying, should we maybe run the ball a little bit more? It's kind of like, what do you want? Right. Do you want to be able to have the vertical passing game or do you want to be able to have the run game? I guess you got to have a little bit of both if you're going to be successful. But he's definitely got the ability to do it. I think that probably, at least from what Kirby Smart said on Saturday, he was asked about the injury front and he threw out something. I can't remember if it was along the lines of we should be full go. So, I mean, maybe that's good news in terms of uh, being able to get a guy like Dominic Blaylock out there, Jermaine Burton out there, not George Pickens. He's not going to be out there, but they've still got good offensive support on that side of the ball. I guess, you know, we'll have to figure out what happens with Eric Gilbert. Uh, but uh, Kiaris Jackson was definitely a huge X factor for that offense last season. Uh, also, as well, uh, we'll have to figure out if indeed Darnell Washington is out for that game. But still, Arian Smith is somebody else who was able to factor in on a couple of huge pass plays down the field last year. And he's got amazing speed. So that's somebody else that you can maybe look to. And kind of like what we talked about with Texas A&M, Georgia's kind of got the same thing as well. I think the X factor for them out of the backfield is James Cook and how good he can be in the passing game. They're going to need to rely on him pretty early on if indeed you do have some of those injuries keeping guys out, especially in that first game against Clemson. 
All right, those are my five biggest questions. We're going to get to Dan's five biggest questions in just a second. But first, need to remind you guys about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? They have nine delicious flavors, all of them tasty and all of them awesome, from the cherry to raspberry to mint brownie to double chocolate, salted caramel. I like them all. There's something for everybody. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are they best tasting, but they're healthy as well. You get 17 grams of protein packed in there, only 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs. You can't go wrong. Order today. You can get that mint brownie, the raspberry, the cherry, the coconut almond, whatever you like, and you can do so at BuiltBar.com. Just make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you will get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I'm telling you guys right now, the football season is upon us. You're going to be out at tailgates. You're going to be out there all day long looking for something nutritious. Stop snacking on the chips and the candy and all that and reach for a Built Bar. You will not regret it. And a quick reminder about our friends over at BetOnline.ag. It's that time of year again. All eyes turn to football as the teams are back on the gridiron. We got the college football season. We got the SEC season about to start up. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at BetOnline. Head over to their website. You can do so on your mobile device. Sign up today and be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Make sure you use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, rolling along here, locked on SEC. We did my five biggest questions heading into the SEC season. Now we get to our buddy Dan Matthews with his five biggest questions heading into the season. Dan, start with your first. All right, so you went five to one, right? Instead of one to five. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to. Okay, so there we go. So number five for me, will Alabama get back to their early 2010 roots? Will they rely more on the running game, all that returning talent on defense? And also, too, with a young quarterback, like you, you pointed out with Bryce Young, will we have a little bit of that acclimation period? Could that be a possibility for this team? That's a great question. Um, the, the big problem that I've, I've heard from a lot of people with Alabama is what happened with the defense, right? I mean, I, I think if you're an Alabama fan, you're used to that 2011, you know, where the linebackers are stopping the run constantly and playing close to the line and picks galore. You're not used to giving up all these yardage uh, that Bama's given up the last couple of years, especially last year as well. So, yeah, I'm with you, Dan. I'm interested to see if Alabama can get back to their roots, play that more dominating defense, and I think they've got the playmakers on the defensive side to do it this year. Well, and it's also too, Chris, I, I think a real, you know, just point to what college football is now because remember a couple of years ago, I think Alabama kind of ran into it a little bit last year where at LSU it was, I believe, that Vanderbilt game where the defense gave up a couple of plays in that game and people saying, oh my gosh, we can't, you know, completely turn our back to what we were. And I think that Bama fans 
probably a little bit to that 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 Ole Miss game is one that comes to mind. Where remember after that, everybody wanted to fire um, wanted to fire Pete Golding and be able to move on and, and say, yeah, this isn't working defensively. So I think that it just kind of is a sign of the times. I mean, Nick Saban even talked about it as well. Remember where he said dominant defense doesn't win anymore. So. Uh, it'll uh, be interesting to see. But again, too, how much does that running game factor in this season? Uh, number four, this one's pretty interesting with me because you mentioned about Todd Grantham and the Florida defense. Mine's on the offensive side of the ball because I really want to know, is Emory Jones the guy? Because it seems like almost unprovoked every chance Dan Mullen gets whenever I watch or listen to his press conferences, Chris. It seems like he brings up the name Anthony Richardson, almost goes out of his way to bring him bring up his name. Yeah, I noticed that this past weekend uh, that Anthony Richardson's name came up a lot. And a lot of people are wondering, is he just biding time, you know, just in case Emory Jones gets hurt or struggles at all? Will we see a point where Dan Mullen pulls the rug on him and says, you know what, let's go with Anthony Richardson? But I'm kind of with you with that offense. Do you know it's been since 2015 that Florida's had a 1,000-yard rusher? Kelvin Taylor did it in 2015. That's the last time they did it at Florida. They were not balanced at all last year. They couldn't run the ball at times. They didn't try to run the ball. I want to see Florida be a little bit more balanced. I think Emory Jones fits the more prototypical Dan Mullen system of offense. I'd like to see them get back to running the ball more this year. Yeah, to your point, Demarcus Bowman is a guy that they got in the transfer from Clemson and Dan Mullen. I believe his word was impactful this season. So you definitely need, to your point, impactful play out of Demarcus Bowman in that running attack. And then uh, also uh, Lorenzo Lingard. Actually, I think it was Lingard is who he said was going to be impactful. So both of those players, I mean, Lingard was a huge recruit signing with uh, Miami. Didn't work out there. Now trying to see what he can do with the Gators. So uh, we'll have to see if that indeed uh, that is able to be a factor for them this season. Uh, Number three, LSU's pass defense, can it really be that much better this season? I think it can. I mean, this has been the big challenge with LSU, and, and you know, at times when I've tried to defend them this offseason, everybody says, man, I mean, the, go look at the tape last year, and we have to defend it by just saying that was Bo Pelini, and Bo Pelini was very bad. The system was the problem last year, not the players. We know Eli Ricks is very good. We know Derek Stingley Jr. is very good when healthy. In fact, we've even found out a little bit more that he was really banged up down the stretch of last season, even when he was still playing, Derek Stingley Jr. was not himself. So I think it starts up front, obviously, with Ali Gay, Neil Farrell, and those guys uh, setting the tone for LSU. But I think the secondary is good. Just some big questions with the safeties uh, spots, though. Todd Harris is a senior there. Jay Ward has made that uh, slid over from corner to safety. Major Burns transferring in from Georgia is going to play a big role. Need to see improved safety play this year. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, too, is I got to give a hat tip to uh, T-Bob Hebert, our good buddy on uh, ESPN 104.5 in Baton Rouge. He was recently on the Saturday Down South podcast, and he talked about it as a buddy of his calling it the Poolini effect last season of how terrible it was where you have Eli Ricks and you have Derek Stingley Jr. and you had that bad of a passing defense last season it really was just something that I think it was twofold. I think, number one, it was stubbornness from Bo Pelini because he's saying, oh, we can play man here. We can do this. We've got the players to do it, which you typically do. But also, too, you're putting your guys out on an island. And I think some of those guys, number one, with them not being able to necessarily handle that play in and play out, 
But also, too, I just don't think that the communication was there. From where it sounded like when you had Dave Aranda there, Chris, the communication and just the organization was almost to a T with that LSU defense last year. It was far from it, and the tone was set against Mississippi State. It continued on against Missouri. It was awful against Auburn. It was okay against Florida. And then it almost cost them against Ole Miss. So they can't have those again this season. Let's get to your uh, number two. All right. Does Jimbo Fisher finally have stellar enough quarterback play to win the West and even more? To your point, that's the one position that I've said because, Chris, as we've seen the last few years in college football, the only way that you win huge now is having stellar play at the quarterback position. Not even just the national title winners that we've seen the last couple of years with Joe Burrow and with Mac Jones last season, but also to the teams that have been in it. Look at the teams that have played in the college football playoff where you've had Oklahoma, stellar quarterback play. Ohio State, stellar quarterback play. Clemson, stellar quarterback play. Alabama, LSU, all those teams that I just mentioned right there. You've had stellar quarterback play. Can Haynes King be that guy this season? It sounds like to me, Chris, that's the guy that is going to get the nod when A&M takes the field in a couple of weeks. But I think that's something that we're going to have to see out of him in this A&M offense if indeed they are going to be able to knock off Alabama, knock off LSU, and get to Atlanta for the SEC championship game for the first time in their program history. Yeah, it's going to come down to Haynes King. And everything we've heard, all signs point to that he's played very well and he's been challenged very well by Zach Calzada, but it's got to be Haynes King and he's got to be that prototypical Jimbo Fisher quarterback. We've seen the history of it from his time at LSU to Florida State. He's had success and gotten the most out of his quarterbacks and gotten them drafted very high in the NFL draft. Nothing against Kellen Mond, but Haynes King has got to be able to do things that Kellen Mond was not able to do and that's attack downfield get that vertical passing game going and I think A&M can be uh, where they want to be this season like I talked about earlier and that's beating Alabama getting to that driver's seat win the SEC West if not if they don't win that game we're just talking about a very nice season which is what they had last year where oh we almost made the playoff if A&M wants to be the bride and not the bridesmaid this is the year they've got to get good quarterback play. And look, I mean, like I said, the the reputation precedes Jimbo Fisher because remember that 2013 season, who's this Jameis Winston guy against Pitt? And they went out there and absolutely lit it up. And you had people, including my buddies, saying, that guy's going to win the Heisman. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It's one game. Let's see what happens from here. And then you saw that Jameis Winston was special that season. That Florida State team was special, and they were able to do what they could do. I mean, even a couple of years later, I point to probably the best coaching job that Jimbo Fisher ever did in my opinion, Chris, was the job that he did with Sean McGuire uh, there when you thought that Everett Golson was going to be their guy for the Florida State Seminoles, and you still were able to have a decent enough season, make a New Year's Six Bowl game, and had a guy in Sean McGuire who got hurt in that game, but still able to get you to that point, I thought was probably a great coaching job by Jimbo Fisher. So uh, we'll see if indeed he can get that and replicate that at Texas A&M, because if he can have that, then this team can be special this season. There's no doubt about it. Number one, and it kind of goes hand in hand with your number one, because I think this is the question that everybody has, Chris, and that is Georgia's offense. Is it really changed? (laughs) Are are, are we really going to see a change this season? Because to me, look, fool me once. As a guy who's been around this Georgia program for the better part of the last 10 seasons, I've heard we're going to use the tight ends a lot more. They don't. (laughs) We're going to get it to our playmakers out in space. 
They, they don't. don't, right? Um, you know, you're you're going to see the passing game a lot more. We're we're gonna we're gonna be a lot more explosive this season. Now, look, I think that uh, that Todd Munkin gets a pass for last season, but now you've had a full spring, you've had a summer workout period, you've had fall camp. To your question about JT Daniels, I, I think that it's one of those things that I think Georgia fans and everybody looking at this Georgia program says, Kirby, if not now, when? I'm with you, and I, I feel like we saw a little bit of a small sample size, four games last year, and we saw the offense change a little bit. When JT Daniels first took over that Mississippi State game, he throws for 400 yards, shows they can air it out and move the ball all over the place. That next week against South Carolina, they just ran the ball. I mean, Cook had over 100 yards rushing. JT threw for, like, less than 150 yards. They showed they can do it just bread and butter, running the ball, dominant run game. And then against uh, Missouri to end the year and then in Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl, it was JT Daniels flinging the ball all over again. So I, I think they can, they've can. they shown they can do either. They can win both ways, uh, but it obviously starts with that run game. And they've got a bevy of backs back there, but I'm with you. I think people got kind of accustomed to always hearing about, oh, the quarterback, oh, the quarterback. But, man, it was always, well, really, it's the ground game. If they have a good ground game, they're going to have a chance to win. Well, I think their problem has been just really play at the receiver position. I mean, I think that that's been the, the number one concern with this team. I mean, 2019, I remember that was the deal with this team where you lost Jeremiah Holloman, who was going to be a guy that was going to be a difference maker for you offensively. And that team, that offense just was unable to really find any spark down the field in terms of a vertical threat in the passing game. I mean, yeah, you had Lawrence Cager, who was able to make some plays for you. But for the most part, that was a team that – with the losses they had the year before with Isaac Nauta deciding to go to the NFL early, with uh, 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 with um, Elijah Holyfield deciding to go to the NFL early, and a handful of other players who decided to move on from this program, I think soon enough it precipitated them making the change at offensive coordinator, which they did. Uh, they went to uh, James Coley. That did not work out. Now you get Todd Munkin in, and we saw some significant improvement last season. But, Chris, I mean, to your point, Hot start last year against Florida that fizzled out because they could not sustain it for the rest of the game. That Alabama game in that second half, that's what got them beat is that they did not have that threat in their back pocket to be able to take away from what Alabama could do defensively in that game, turn the football over a time or two, but still it was a Alabama team who said, oh, we know we've got the offense to beat you. You prove it to us that you've got it to beat us. And at that time, they didn't have it. There you have it, our five biggest questions heading into the start of the SEC season. Our buddy Dan Matthews. Dan, let all our listeners know where they can find your stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DanMatthewsATL, 1T in Matthews. You can also, too, find me on the SEC Football and Beyond podcast with Chris Landry on the Landry Football Podcast channel. You can go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast needs, or the easiest way that you can do it, and you can find – Meet on SEC Football and Beyond, and also to the Chuck Oliver Show. Download the Southern Sports Today app. You can get both channels on podcast. You can also hear Chuck live every weekday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. All those ways you can catch our work over here at Southern Sports Today and the Landry Football Podcast channel. And as Chris, as always, it's always great to join you. Always good to talk with you, Dan, and we know the football season is upon us. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. My thanks to Dan Matthews. We'll be back tomorrow with a new episode. Find us wherever you find your podcast, LockedOnSEC.com. And a quick reminder, betting on the SEC doesn't have to be a guessing game. 
Listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. It's going to do it for me, Chris Gordy. Talk to you guys tomorrow.